I'm Dave Breckenridge, and you're listening to 10-3. On this episode, Quebec politics got turned upside down this week with Francois Legault and his Coalition Avenir Quebec taking down the governing Liberals. Legault won on a platform of shrinking the size of government and fixing health and education, but also limiting the number of immigrants to Quebec. We take a look at what the changing government will mean for the province and for the relationship between Quebec and the rest of Canada. It's Thursday, October 4th. Philippe Otier covers Quebec politics for the Montreal Gazette. Let's start working together for the benefits of all Quebecers. Uh, so, Philippe, the big questions many Canadians may be asking this week are, who is Francois Legault and what can, can Canada expect from a CAC government? And I want to assure you that my government will be your government. Well, Francois Legault is an uh, interesting kind of a character. He's really a, a businessman. He uh, uh, co-founded uh, Air Transat, which is an airline I think a lot of Canadians are familiar with. Uh, and uh, he uh, uh, made his personal fortune there uh, to the point where he was looking for a new challenge so that he went into politics. And he started off in politics as a Parti Québécois cabinet minister in uh, Lucien Bouchard's old government. Um, so he's he's a guy that's got uh, political experience. He's been an education minister and uh, a minister of economic development in in, uh, in in the old government. So about six and a half years ago, he's decided that Quebecers were not interested in sovereignty and the ref- referendum talk. So he formed, uh, and you know, which is a pretty obvious uh, conclusion these days. Uh, so he formed another party. And his party is designed to be between the PQ and the Liberals. So it's a nationalist government, but not a sovereignist government. It's a government that leans a little bit more to the right, but in uh, in reality, govern will probably end up governing more towards the middle. Okay. And so what is it that were some of the key issues that he talked about as being important to him and his party if you know if sovereignty is off the table they they seem to be kind of a they have a nationalist bent but they are a federalist party um what were some of the key issues for him in the campaign well his argument you know as uh, as you know the economy has been booming in quebec so it, he had to come up with some sort of a new argument to to change the government because the government does have a good record ban at managing the Quebec economy. But what he started to do was talk about that we have a lot of jobs, but they're not good paying jobs. Uh, he started talking about we have uh, uh, we have a good government, but it's still too big, and we can reduce the size and we can make savings. But his two big themes were to play on. The, the fact the population is very unhappy with the state of the healthcare system and the education system, which are very common issues in, mm-hmm. in most uh, Western uh, societies these days. So he promised he's going to fix health and he's going to fix education. How he's going to do that is another story, but uh, that, that's how he got elected, because those are hot button issues with, the, with uh, a lot of Quebecers. Yeah, and you mentioned that going into the election, um, it would have appeared as though the Liberals under Philippe Couillard were sitting pretty, right? The economy is doing okay, as you mentioned. The balance sheet is in good shape. Where did it go wrong for the Liberals? I think what what happened for the Liberals was, with the exception of a, an 18-month period where the PQ had a minority government, the Liberals have really been in power for 
close to 15 years in Quebec. Mm-hmm. And, and the desire for change is what did them in, if you ask me. And, uh, you know, it happened in Ontario. It's happened in the States. It ha- you know, it happened, it's, 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 a ten- it's a trend you see worldwide now. People get, are, get lose patience with uh, the person, the people that are in government, and they want to they try something new. Uh, Legault came along. Uh, they, you know, in, they, there was an election in 2014, and they, they elected some of his people, but not not enough. You know, it was like they were test driving out the the cat to see <laughs> how it would how it would look. And so this time they've given it the confidence. You know, he's got a resounding support of he's he's now sitting on 74 seats and a full majority government in in the National Assembly. So he's got four years to do all these great things that he's promised, which is you know always a, a big challenge. Yeah, and I was reading it's the first time in in 50 years that neither the Liberals nor the Parti Québécois were the governing party. But it's also, my understanding, the first time in ages that both official parties are federalist parties. How significant is that for Quebec politics? It is because it shows that... uh the population is kind of over and done with uh, with the idea of sovereignty. Uh, uh, you know, there's a, there's a core of people that still believe, it, and if you ask people in polls uh, whether they support sovereignty, you'll still get above 35%. But it's the actual doing, you know, it's the actual process of getting getting such a thing to happen that is very complicated. And I think the population has grown weary with that. Also, there's another interesting dynamic is that in this election, um, 25% of the voters were youth hmm. and youth really don't remember those old squabbles that guys like us remember of uh, Quebec and Ottawa fighting about constitutional issues and all that. I mean, it's, it's kind of irrelevant to them. They tapped into a sort of a left-wing party uh, called Quebec Solidaire, which is, which really uh, spent all the campaign talking about fighting climate change and improving the environment. And those are issues that are much more of interest to the to young Quebecers. So they flocked to Quebec Solidaire massively. It, so uh, really, society, you know, uh, I've been covering politics for 25 years, and the the dynamic has changed. You felt you felt the buzz. You felt the buzz uh, in the street that people wanted change, and you felt the buzz among younger people that the old parties were not what they wanted. And in fact, that is what happened in this election. The Liberals an old party, and the PQ old party mm-hmm. were were basically disavowed. And now we've got this dynamic of two new parties representing obviously completely opposite points of view, but still uh, it, it's it's quite a it's quite a shakeup. It's 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 really uh, uh, quite a groundbreaking kind of election. We'll be right back. I want to tell you about a discount we're offering exclusively for 10.3 listeners on all Post Media digital subscriptions so you can get access to more great reporting on the issues that matter to you. When subscribing to the National Post, the Ottawa Citizen, the Montreal Gazette, the Saskatoon Star Phoenix, Regina Leader Post, Edmonton Journal, Calgary Herald, or the Vancouver Sun, just enter promo code PODCAST and you'll get 50% off a one-year digital subscription. It's a great way to stay informed. Again, that's promo code PODCAST. During the election, you had this kind of outside issue that was 
sticking its fingers into Quebec politics a little bit, the discussions around NAFTA um, and the question of whether the Trudeau government was going to make concessions on supply management and the dairy industry. Obviously, we had a a late-breaking deal uh, this past Sunday. Um, Francois Legault's talked about wanting a smaller government, but he still wants some kind of government intervention. Obviously, the four main parties in Quebec all stood behind the dairy farmers in that province, and they wanted to see supply management stick around, and they didn't want concessions on dairy. How does Legault kind of bridge those two sides, wanting smaller government but wanting to be protectionist of certain industries? He, um, I, I think uh, no politician in Quebec, and in fact even in, in most of Canada, wants to mess, you know, apart from Maxime Bernier, nobody wants to mess with the family <laughs> farm. You know, the yeah. family farm is an institution all over Canada, and they're not, they're farms that are not run, run by big multinationals. So it, it, it's, a, it's a hot button issue, uh, no matter how, how you cut it, depend, no matter where you live uh, in, in Quebec or in Canada. We've got to remember that Legault is not that right wing that he is against any kind of interventionist policies. He's not that far over there. As I said, he's more of a guy who's going to govern from the middle. And mm-hmm. um, remember, uh, a lot of Quebec society is governed by lobbies. Okay. And one of the most powerful lobbies in Quebec is the Farmers Union and the Union des Producteurs Agricoles. And uh, politicians which mess with these guys uh, usually get in trouble. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. And moving on to some kind of stickier issues uh, during the campaign, uh, there were a couple that uh, had come up and, and Legault would raise them as as being important or one that his government would look at. The first is uh, cutting the number of immigrants to Quebec by about 18 uh, percent, down to 40,000 roughly. And the second was um, secularizing society, so to speak, a, a ban on uh, public officials wearing religious symbols or religious garb. Um, how important are those two issues to Quebecers? Yeah, it's not public officials. It, it is persons in authority. So it would okay. be ju- judges, uh, police officers, corrections officers, um, and teachers. That's the short list. It's not all public, all, not all public sector workers. There's been some mis- misunderstanding about that. Um, okay. They're both very tricky issues, as you, as you rightly pointed out. On the immigration file, what what, uh, Legault wants to do, he is not against immigration. He wants immigrants. But what he's arguing is that the ones that come here don't stay because they're they're not properly integrated into Mm -hmm. society. The unemployment rate is high. Some of them don't speak French. Many of them don't speak French. And 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 his argument is that the government is is failing these people because they come here with expectations and then they don't help them enough to integrate them. That's... That's what that's his line. You know, I think it's 26 percent leave Quebec and go to other provinces now, which is actually a number similar to other provinces because immigrants come to tend to move around based on economic needs, based on where there's a where there are jobs. It's the biggest factor. If you look at the various studies of why immigrants move around in Canada, it's the biggest factor. So uh, he is arguing that we'll take less but we'll do treat them better. We'll better mm-hmm. uh, integrate them and help them fit into society. And, you know, that, that rings with a lot of Francophones, uh, out, particularly outside of Montreal, who have sort of a, a fear of strangers that, that they've never met, if you, if, you get, if you get my drift. 
it is a part of uh, society. You, you see this all over the world, you know. I mean, uh, the, dealing with immigration is, is, is a tricky issue no matter where you live. Yeah. Um, the Liberal government adopted, to go to your secularism issue, had adopted Bill 62, which uh, was a much watered-down version of some of our listeners may remember the old PQ's Charter of Values, which was much more severe. The PQ would have fired people for wearing uh, religious symbols uh, in the workplace, in the public workplace. Bill 62, oh, the only thing it says is uh, you have to be able to see your face when you're giving services or, uh, or, or receiving the services. So if you go to the license office to get your license, you've you got to be able to show your face. That, and that bill was, was passed, but it, it is being contested by several religious rights groups. So that bill exists. Now the CAC takes power. What, what the CAC has to decide is uh, how they're going to proceed because they, they would want to go further. They would, as I mentioned earlier, what they would like to do is have a law which obliges uh, persons in authority uh, to, to not wear religious symbols like a hijab or a turban. And uh, so that's where we're at. They're, they're going to try and adopt a new law to that, to that end. But by the way, that that such a proposal does have wide support in Quebec society. Well, one mm-hmm. of the reasons is that it's never been adopted is because it will be challenged constitutionally. Um, especially on the, the issue around turbans, there are, you know, in, in other parts of Canada, there are police officers who wear turbans, RCMP officers who wear turbans as part of their jobs. They have it as part of their uniform. Um, it's... I think it, it may point to a divide in, in how Quebec and the rest of Canada deal with some of these issues. Yeah, and uh, one, of the, one of the big questions would be, how would you handle RCMP officers, which there are also there are RCMP officers working in Quebec. How would that work out between the two laws, the two jurisdictions, right? So it, 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 there is a kind of divide on that. Um, but you got to remember, too, that none of this has actually happened. You know, these are things that the, the CAC promised to do to win the election. And uh, I think, I think you know, they've got four years ahead of them. Uh, yesterday at his news, news conference, Mr. Legault didn't even mention the secularism bill in his opening remarks of what the priorities would be. So mm-hmm. uh, it's on the list, but, you know, the list is very long. So how much will they actually get to is, a, is, is something we've got to watch for. And that's why, uh, that's why I'll be working on this story for a while. <laughs> <laughs> He he hasn't listed it uh, up front as a as a heavy priority, but he ha- has also suggested that if his government were to bring it forward and it were to be challenged by the courts, that he'd be willing to, like his uh, next door neighbor, uh, Ontario Premier Doug Ford, uh, use the notwithstanding clause to to bring it in. Um, that seems to be a controversial idea right now. Yeah, that clause allows you to override. It's in the constitution, and it has been used by many governments in Quebec. I'm sorry, and also in Canada, uh, as you mentioned, uh, in Ontario recently, uh, it, it used to be, uh, even though it's been used many times by many different provincial governments, it's also considered sort of a touchy issue when it gets to religious rights. Mm-hmm. And so it, it is a very big, it's a very uh, slippery slope. It's, it's, tr- it's a very tricky issue uh, to, to use. You know, it's one thing to use the clause to eliminate municipal councillors in Toronto. But it's quite another to override people's personal religious rights. So it is. Yeah. It is. Uh, it's, it's going to be a tough one. All right, and just a couple more quick questions here. The, the first, um, Legault had said 
this is months ago now, that he had uh, an ideal that eventually Quebec would be an equalization-free province. How does he make that happen? Does it, is it about shrinking government? Is it about economic uh, stimulus? How does that come about? The way that has to come about is uh, Quebecers have to earn a lot more money. One of his beefs <laughs> is that the wage gap between Quebec and Ontario and other provinces is too big. And, if, uh, and, that, and that's why in the overall economic scheme, Quebec receives equalization payments even though the economy is booming. And it's, it's the way the formula works that's more of an issue here than, uh, than the reality of things. So what he, what he believes is that by stimulating the economy, and in fact, all of his economic growth projections are higher than uh, private sector forecasts in, in, on, on when it comes to growth. So it, uh, it remains to be seen whether he's going to be able to accomplish this because he's, he does, however, walk into a, a situation left by the liberals, which is the finances of the province are in great shape. And how do you think his relations will be with the rest of Canada? Like, they're not a sovereigntist party. They don't want to talk about leaving the country. But he seems very nationalist. Like, they, is it a case of fighting for Quebec's interest against the feds or other provinces? Will he be combative or will he be uh, conciliatory on issues? We, d- we don't really know uh, yet. We haven't seen him in action. He's probably going to be uh, meeting uh, Mr. Trudeau. Uh, next week at the Francophone Summit, summit in Armenia, and I believe they're even flying on the same plane. So <laughs> that's going to be an interesting ride. His plot platform calls for getting more powers, for example, over immigration from the federal government. This, that is that is black and white on in their in their program, um, and he certainly talks the talk because it's very politically viable uh, for a politician in Quebec to talk nationalist and to trash talk the federal government. It's always been that way. Now, oftentimes these guys get together and more they sit down and they're actually much more conciliatory face to face because it's a different matter when you sit down and, and, and have to deal with uh, them on a one on one on one basis. Right. So we'll, we're going to see, you know, sometimes these guys come out talking like pussycats after this. So mm-hmm. we'll see how far he's willing to go. But any Quebec premier that has ratcheted up the nationalism always does well politically because Quebecers like that idea. Awesome. Well, Philip, thanks for your time. All right, my pleasure. Here's what else is happening. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau announced three new Senate appointments on Wednesday. The new members of the Red Chamber include former Ambassador, Civil Servant, and G7 Summit organizer Peter Boehm, Patty Labucan Benson, a Director of Research for Native Counseling Services of Alberta, and Post Media columnist Paula Simons. Simons is an award-winning journalist who has worked for years at the Edmonton Journal, acting as a strong voice in the city and province, holding governments to account on countless issues, most notably on child welfare. In a statement, the Prime Minister said, quote, Whether working as a community educator and researcher, a journalist, or an ambassador, all three have gained a deep appreciation and understanding of this country. I have full confidence that they will be excellent representatives for their regions and for all Canadians. 10-3 is produced by Carson Jarama and Carrie Ann Sprawl. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening.